Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information, and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome, Brendan here with Mark, vetgurus.com, episode 165, 165, Friday the 27th of November 2020. Mark, we're celebrating here in Melbourne, in Victoria, no masks in the open. So we've finally been able to take off our masks and um, it's a scary thought but we've got our both both having to see our faces and also taking those masks off when we're going for walks or out and about we still have to wear our masks inside shopping centers um, businesses etc but um, we're slowly winding down some of the restrictions which is fantastic and we're still getting lots of double donut days where no deaths and no new reported cases of all at all of COVID here in Melbourne so we're and Victoria so we're we're a bit upbeat at the moment market it's good because it's been, we've had a couple of really hot days how's it been going up your way we have had the same sort of weather Brendan we've um we definitely have been warming up in as we approach the uh the peak of summer and we're sort of all a little bit hopeful the winter rains up here um, did put a bit of green into the parts of the world that weren't burned black by last summer's fires and we hope that um, that green doesn't wither on the vine and provide fuel for another horrendous summer. That's our hope at the moment. Not to put a downer on, I just <laughs> I just, I did want to. Um, I've been talking to my friends in Melbourne and I just wanted to highlight um, I don't know. There's just there's a sense of elation and achievement that you guys have um, like led the world in um, in you know a second wave that was spiraling out of control and demonstrating some of the toughest lockdowns, if not the toughest lockdown in the world. You brought the damn thing under control, and and it is what sixteen days of double donuts. Um, you you have a lot to be proud of. World leaders in Victoria. Yes. Don't mozzers, Mark, and um, we have a third wave. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, it's um, it's been tough, but, yeah, we're, I think, you know, we're very lucky in Australia generally, aren't we, because we're, that, we're an island nation and that's helped us a lot with uh, um, generally with the, with the COVID situation and restricting access from outsiders and uh, the bubble that we've been in. So, yeah, but hopefully we'll get there and it looks like some of these vaccines are promising. Um, and, and good, good, um, good on them. Um, we should have them out hopefully um, fairly soon. So, yes, enough COVID. Um, I want to final, finalise the um, listeners, um, the country with one listener list. Mark, it's been a total flop. Nobody's replied to us. So I'm stopping <laughs> it. I'm stopping it, and uh, I'm just reading out the last four or five countries where we only have one subscriber. <laughs> And I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, and that's Sudan, um, Jamaica, Jersey, Georgia, and Nigeria. So they're the last ones. So if you happen to be one of those listeners. Or any of the listener, others. Yeah, um, or any of the others of the countries with one listener, then please send an email and say hello. And um, 
tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so there we go, the country's one subscriber. And while we're talking about um, shout-outs, hellos, I've got to take this opportunity to um, to um, highlight one of our sponsors, our wonderful yes. sponsors, um, uh, Doug from Microchips. We Microchips Australia. We uh, pr- appreciate all the the uh, positive support that we get from uh, Microchips Australia. And I just wanted to. Um, we often talk about uh, in exotic animals the um, the uh, the slimline, the little chips that uh, Microchips Australia provide. And I've, we've placed those in. Um, Frogs, Brendan, green tree frogs we've gotten down to identifying. But the one, the item, there's a whole bunch of items associated with microchips on Doug's website. And um, the one that's taken my um, fancy just lately is the uh, one that helps control weight in cats, the Sure Feed Microchips Pet Feeder, which reads the microchip on the pet and allows only the pet that needs to eat that food to get to it. A wonderful thing for, you know, in this time of diabetes with cats um, and trying to control their food intake, um, I reckon these are the bee's knees, Brendan. No more fat cats, Mark. No more fat cats. Yes, revolutionary, that product. Absolutely revolutionary. And we will link to Microchips Australia website. Um, And, yes, thank you to Doug and also our other sponsors and and um, also a big thank to our researchers as well, Mark, um, now that you're on sort of um, thanks um, or shout-outs as well, because this week um, I, I don't I don't have a review this week, which is a bit unusual <laughs> considering the last few weeks, but you may have one. But this week we're going to have a few news stories and we're going to rip through them pretty quickly and um, just um, have a bit of a summary of some interesting and weird and wonderful um news from the from the animal kingdom um you don't do you have a review at all mark or not no no <laughs> that's good good to see we're all prepared here mark as usual <laughs> with our with our um pre pre-recording session that lasted for all of two minutes yes well i'll jump into the first news story mark and it's um it's toxic masculinity is the title of this article, and it's it's from the University of Queensland, and it, and it talks about why male funnel web spiders, they've worked out, why the male funnel webs are so dangerous. And a team of researchers led by Associate Professor Brian Fry, who we've spoken about several times, have revealed why male funnel web spiders develop much deadlier venom than their female counterparts. And this team has been working on venom peptides um, for over 20 years and they they couldn't quite work out why is that the male has much more toxic venom especially to vertebrates including um, humans um, and Australian funnel spiders for those listeners who don't know are infamous for causing human fatalities with this particular range of toxins so they did a bit of study or they did a lot of study didn't they Mark and the data um, showed that natural selection had put the pressure on these spiders to switch from an insect-specific venom into a vertebrate-specific defensive venom. And they think this was happening because the male funnel-web spiders, when they become, well, aroused and sexually mature, they leave the safety of their burrow and wander quite considerable distances in search of the females. 
and their, their presumption is that uh, they encounter dangerous vertebrates over time with that and they've evolved to, to have the venom that will um, hit the vertebrates that are potentially going to try and eat the mark, um, including the donuts, which are small marsupials we have here in Australia. So that's a theory and, and I think they're fairly fairly sure that's what's happening. So that's news story number one, Mark, um, that male, if you're going to get bitten by a, a funnel web spider, Mark, um, make it a female um, or preferably don't get bitten at all. They sometimes, they sometimes end up in the bottom of our pool. We've got to fish them out and send them off to, they go to um, the reptile park to provide venom for researchers just like Professor Fry. Brian, Brendan, my story is a reef one. Um, it's a story about hybridisation. Um, and uh, reefs, tropical uh, coral reefs, provide a unique location um, where um, significant amounts of hybridisation occur. And um, up until recently, it was assumed the marine butterfly fish held the record for the, the most... Um, most hybrids uh, that occur but um and this fascinates me because i have an interest in the whole concept of species how as humans we divide these things up into um you know taxonomic groups and um there's a whole lot of argument about that stuff but um you know when you're out on the coral reef and there's a uh, certain set of circumstances the species definition doesn't always come into um into play. Um, so in these coral reefs uh, where um, physical barriers are few, across many species hybridisation is common. And while research in this area has uh, increased a lot lately, um, it's still an enigmatic topic. Um, so 170 species of fish are known to hybridise, um, but the factors that lead to this are not fully understood. And the interesting thing Brendan, in this article, besides the massive pictures, the pictures of the uh, species that are halfway between the two adult types of butter, uh, butter, uh, angelfish, um, one possible explanation for this high rate of hybridisation um, is the inherent biology of the marine angelfish. Unlike the butterfly fish, who are monogamic, who practice monogamy, and where pair bonding is very common, many marine angelfish are haremic, Brendan, and we had a discussion about sentences which have haremic in them, um, and, and the, the attitude that... Um, You've got a few hoons in your um, suburb there, Mark. And they're not driving... Was that your wife headed off to, <laughs> to get away from the podcast? <laughs> it, it, it is, in fact, the local hoons. There'll be some more later. Um, yeah, so the... Um, the combination of haremic social structures and the occurrence of mixed species assemblages at the edge of ranges, the external broadcast spawning behaviour, that all these factors contribute to the occurrence of, um, of hybrids, sympatric hybrids in this family, and much more than any other. So um, the wonderful thing for us, Brendan, is that, um, is that these um, fish look beautiful. Um, and um, and I was also interested to see that uh, um, mitochondrial DNA played a very important role in the um, determination of the genetics of these hybrid species. So um, it's interesting that uh, that, that DNA analysis, um, particularly mitochondrial DNA, 
helps to explain a lot of that stuff. They are indeed absolutely stunning, aren't they? Those those pictures and these these reef fishes, Mark. Um, so my question is, in in reply to that article, is um, what benefit or not does that provide those those amazing variety of color colors? So when you're out scuba diving and seeing these types of fish, Mark. Um, do, you, do, do they seem to blend into the background or not, or do, do they stand out like a hybridised fish? <laughs> they, they stand out. Yeah, they really, really stand out. Um, and, um, and I think that that's – I suspect that in the coral reefs, the, the rapid movement and immense colour is confusing, that – that it's almost like too much to take in and too much sensory input for predators to focus on one thing. So I think um, that bright coloration, it stands out. You can't miss it, but um, uh, they're not easy to, to, it doesn't make them any easy to follow or capture, not at all. So they, you, you, it's like you're going on a trip, is it? Um, uh, um, groovy baby, hey? Um, so it's, it's, it freaks them out. Um, yes, they I remember the first time I went snorkeling in the Great Barrier Reef, and I must admit it was um, quite overwhelming. That the, the amazing, amazing creatures there, and the incredible variety of colours, the kaleidoscope of colours, it it blew my mind. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell it. It really yeah. left an impression with you. It did. It did. Um, I haven't been the same since. My next news article, Mark, is speaking of viewing things, it is the best animal feeds, and we're talking about um, video feeds from around the world. And it's an article that has some of the interesting video, um, you know, 24-hour webcams, etc., that um, relate to animals that, that people um pointed towards and, and it's based on it's sort of linked to a study led by the University of Leeds in Britain and Singapore Airlines um, regarding uh, um, um, one of these which is about a quokka um, um, video but um, it's been proven a recent study showing that watching footage of cute animals can reduce your anxiety blood pressure and heart rate and I think we all sort of knew that so it links to some of the interesting sort of webcams there and the obvious ones there that I'm sure you've looked at several times is the peregrine falcons mark um, in the Melbourne CBD here that um, they put cameras up and they watch them build their nest and I think what there's two or three eggs uh, chicks this year isn't there there were three chicks they fledged last Friday Ah, there and you go. So you and one of the birds, um, one of the chicks was um, flew, got caught down on the um, on the pavement on the sidewalk, um, and uh, had to be transferred to a carer. But the other two chicks, uh, um, with their uh, parents flying around between the buildings in Melbourne, catching um, columbiform birds for dinner. Excellent. Oh, excellent for them, <laughs> not for the, not for the, um, not for the prey items. Yeah, so it's a link to some of the some of the other sort of webcams there, including um, the non-profit Warrior Canine Connection in Maryland in the USA, which is a service dog um, um, program. Um, Taronga Zoo here in Australia, uh, a kitten rescue um, non-profit in 
Los Angeles, the, the Smithsonian National Zoo, um, which has about six live feeds, according to this article, um, San Diego Zoo. So several zoos there, but some some um, cameras set up like the peregrines that are just um, out there in the wild um, where we don't have any sort of um, contained or caged animals. So, yeah, some places. If you're feeling a little bit stressed, Mark, um, click on this file, vetgurus.com, and watch your heart rate decrease um unless i've got a but i was going to say that i did watch those peregrines and i only my heart rate just went up as they stress you out if you saw one of these you know you, you see one of these bird ones and somebody something's fledging fledgling and it um yeah it plummets to the ground or, or worse yes <laughs> I think you have to pick which ones. Yeah, maybe you need to. Maybe you need to just watch the ones of the the fake fireplace or, the, exactly uh, right. or the aquarium. You know that just is on is on a loop. Um, yes. So there you go. Um, animal feeds from around the world, and we'll link to it in our show notes. So that's my news article number two, Mark. Well, my second one uh, returns to Victoria. We seem to have a bit of a Victorian focus over these um, news stories. Um, environmentalists have raised the alarm over logging near the habitat of a rare frog in East Gippsland um, that was long thought extinct until it was rediscovered five years ago. The process of a long thought extinct frog or any species um, renders them a Lazarus species. Um, Brendan and um, the wonderful uh, giant burrowing frog, brown giant brown burrowing frog, sometimes called the owl frog. Uh, Brendan, these guys are. Um, they are um, critically endangered, um, and um, and the the after last year's fires, the, um, the the habitat that they have has been pushed to the limit, and it's just distressing to read that. Um, that uh, forest coops, the areas that have been um, legally designated to uh, be chopped down, um, that a number of forest coops where this species is known to still persist um, are going to be chopped down um, over the next, uh, what does it say here? Well, they've been slated to be chopped down. It doesn't give us the exact time. Um, but fortunately, um, the, it does appear that... Uh, there is some efforts being made to um, to protect the area. Um, the main problem, of course, is chytrid fungus, um, that, uh, that uh, organism that spread wide and far and caused the extinction of a number of species of frogs worldwide. Um, it's carried, the fungus is carried in dirt um, and it might just get carried into um, that East Gippsland, Mount Jersey area by logging trucks. Um, so... Uh, um, it's a real um, sounds like it's a real bit of a pressure cooker of uh, potential problems for the frog and um, its potential breeding sites um, and so it's pleasing that Vic Forests have said that they will apply additional stream buffers and other priorities to uh, hopefully help the frog. I just don't know that I am I'm all that um, uh, hopeful but in good herpetological news this week Brendan Forest surveyors from the conservation regulator found almost 330 giant burrowing brown frog tadpoles in ponds in remote areas of East Gippsland. Yes, um, bit of a downer that story, isn't it? Upper and a downer. And 
reading between the lines with what you're saying there, um, I think you think they're stuffed. That's <laughs> about <laughs> um, Yes, that's that's my summary anyway. <laughs> but we never, you never know. Um, they might. Uh, I always worry about these uh, these login regions that um, the political pressure to to continue it um, from the from the logging companies, etc., often wins out, unfortunately. I wish it didn't, but, yeah. Well, my next story, my is it my last story? It is. My last story is um, a bit of an ironic one. Um, speaking of COVID, as we spoke about um, earlier in the podcast, Mark, and um, it's ironic because I'm talking about the wrinkle-faced bats. The wrinkle-faced male bats have a mask. Um, and it is a bit ironic, isn't it, considering where we think COVID came from? Um, perhaps I, thought, I, thought, I thought you meant that it was a bit ironic that we went to Venice and wore masks. Um, yes, that too, Mark. It's doubly ironic. Uh, yes. Wrinkled so faces and all. Oh, yes, it, it was. We'll have to post a picture of our, us um, with our masks on in in the for the for the dinner in Venice. Um, but that's for another another podcast, Mark. Um, so interestingly enough, this species of wrinkle-faced bat, which is Centurio senex, which is found in Mexico, Central America, and northern South America have distinct sexual dimorphism and the adult males have a fold of skin under their chin that they can raise to the lower part of their face like a mask. And the suggestion was that it was used for courtship behaviour and they didn't really know until a fairly recent study where they reported the first observations of echolocation and mating behaviour of them and... Lo and behold, they found that um, when the males choose their female and they decide to mate, um, the perched males beat their wings. They emit very loud, low-frequency whistling calls. Then, Mark, are you listening? They lower their mask immediately before copulation. They sing and then they raise their mask after mating and they head off. So they've got their COVID safe plan in, in, in place, Mark, apart from the mating act and um, quite a weird sort of process there. So what do you, what's, you know, what's the evolutionary advantage of this? What do you think, Mark? I, I, the only thing I can think of is that um, uh, a mask that goes over their mouth is likely to modulate the sound. So I'm sure that there will be some reason the sound when they're trying to attract the female and covering their face, they'll be focusing it or doing something. And then once it doesn't matter, they just squeal with the mask out of the way. Did you know that um, this article used no, I didn't. Court, the, the um, term lek courtship? This was a fascinating bit of this article because lek courtship is, a, you know, it's a common thing in birds where, you know, those uh, paradise um Paradise, uh, you know, the tropical paradise birds that um, have those long feathers and they hang on a perch and try and attract a female. The, per the location where the males hang out is called a lek. Um, lekking, yeah, yeah, the males are lekking. Yeah, that's um, and it's a, only used by twelve species of mammal. Oh, the lek courtship technique, and these bats are one of them. Unusual. Do they include humans in that? Because I reckon humans are number one for lecking, the males gathering together to engage in competitive displays and courtship rituals. I mean, they have to be number one, don't they? 
I don't know where, where you've been going lately, Brandon, but <laughs> I'll take your word for it. My, I, grew, I grew up on, a, on the other side of the tracks, Mark. I'm prepared with you. Yeah. I'm thinking of where I might end up going, Brendan. You know that um, I am a uh, vegetarian, um, and so uh, I have to search for various plant-based proteins. Um, but it may be in the future that I can see my way clear to, um, to uh, another um, source of uh, protein um, maybe there'll be restaurants that serve um, insects and in particular this article talks about um, the larvae of um, one of the flies the black soldier fly with black soldier fly larvae are frequently used as um, you know one of the sorts of uh, foods that we can live foods that we can feed to various reptiles and um, and other uh, predatory um, uh, um, insects and uh, amphibians, um, and it is it has an outstanding protein uh, profile apparently, um, and uh, I don't know that I would call it uh, precisely the same as meat, but it, it um, certainly satisfies a lot of the similar nutrient requirements in terms of. Um, uh, high levels of calcium, uh, rich in zinc and iron, um, and an outstanding uh, amino acid profile. Um, so, uh, and obviously, it, it's uh, much more environmentally friendly to produce um, than um, than uh, the current providers of meat for humans. Um, do you think you could consume a uh, patty that was made from Black soldier fly larvae. Black soldier fly larvae. Um, perhaps if it, I, I presume they're grinding them up and just making them into a paste and adding them to the to the patty, Mark, because they're talking about the burger patties and, and Vienna sausages, aren't they? Um, or, or Professor Professor Lou is Professor Lou Hoffman, who um, has featured in this article. And just as an aside, Mark, don't you think Professor Lou looks like Louis the Fly? Um, if you've seen I'm that picture, the article hasn't got his photo. I'm going to. Oh, I'll have to. I'll have to send you the link to that. But um, Louis the fly is a very famous sort of fly in a in a in an ad for a for a fly spray here in Australia. Um, I'm sending you the post there, Mark. Um, um, so you'll get that at the moment. Is this a so form of um, nominative determinism? Yeah, yeah, determinism. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. one of those. <laughs> So I think it is. So, so that's that's my first comment about this article, um, um, and my second one was, yeah, um, that yeah, if they were mushed up into a, into the patties, etc., um, I think I'd have a go at it. But I, I must admit, I have a little bit of an aversion. Have you just uh, seen uh, Professor yes, Lou? <laughs> <laughs> um, is um, it's similar to say eating eating crickets and and um, some of the other sort of insects invertebrates. Mark, I'd I'd I'd, I'd um, struggle um, visually um, with then then um, trying them. Have, have you tried many of these sort of um, protein sources? At I guess all? you've eaten some of them when you were over in India, didn't you? Didn't you have a? Oh yeah, a couple, but not many. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, but certainly not a lot of them. Um, just sort of taste, taste. Um, yeah. So and I think a lot of it's in the present, in the look, isn't it? Well, the yeah, way we um, took you eat with your eyes. Uh, yeah. Mouth, but um, but yeah. uh, the what do they say here? The um, 
there are strong environmental reasons for humans to consume fly larvae. Um, but the critical thing, um, where is it? There's one line here. Um, if you care about the environment and you should consider and be willing to eat um, insect protein, but it's going to be um, acceptance. It's going to be um, how can we convince people that it's an acceptable um, thing when they're thinking about maggots um, to eat yes. made from them. Yes, and one of his other quote sentences, uh, we will eat pea or oat milk compared with cow milk, even lab-grown meats, but insects just aren't on Western menus. So Yet. But yes, exactly. And uh, I think, yeah, one of the um, calculations he did or they did was it was estimated that less than half a hectare of black sh- Black soldier fly larvae can produce more protein than cattle grazing on around 1,200 hectares or 52 hectares of soybeans. So half a hectare is all you'd need. That's a lot of fly larvae, Mark. That's a lot of maggots, Brendan. That's a lot of maggots, yes. And thank you, um, Professor Professor Louis the Fly. (laughs) Um, Excellent research there, and um, I'm sure it's, going to be part of our future i'm sure it is um but just mush it up for me initially um for the moment all right um well i I think we've ripped through our um stories this week mark we want it to be particularly punchy and um, i think we have um have you got any final comments before we get out of here until next week and just just one comment i've got you your comment is um we'll have a special guest in the next couple of weeks between two and three weeks we have a have a um on air guest um we've had the person previously and it will be um somebody um who is talking about a publication, an author, Mark, and we're always very excited to get um, some very famous people on our show, Um, and that will be occurring in the next couple of weeks. Um, Sorry for interrupting you there, Mark. What were we going to say? You there, there, Mark? (laughs) Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Um, Yes. I was just going to say that um, I reckon uh, we also um, will look forward to our Christmas special, Brendan. I hear there's some very exciting things uh, going to happen with our Christmas party. Yes, we'll have our Christmas party and our special and uh, it could could go for 10 minutes, it could go for an hour and a half and uh, we'll release that during the Christmas New Year period. So something Hopefully, at least one listener will be looking forward to, Mark. Um, perhaps it's one listener from a country with one listener. Who knows? And with that, we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Thanks.